This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Just in the last two weeks, there have been two major layoff announcements covering 2,000 workers. But two bills moving through the legislature would reduce unemployment benefits in the state. We need to talk about this. This is real. We've got examples of uh, basketball players being suspended uh, because of uh, the hairstyle they choose to wear. That story and more coming up this West Virginia Morning. Support for West Virginia Morning is proudly provided by Luke Frazier. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency has proposed stricter standards on non-mercury metal pollution as Curtis Tate reports, one West Virginia power plant may not meet the new requirements. The EPA proposes a revision to its mercury and air toxic standards to lower emissions of nickel, arsenic and lead from coal burning power plants. According to the agency, most West Virginia power plants can meet the new standard. However, the Monpower Harrison Power Station in Harrison County may have to be upgraded. The updated rule is under interagency review, according to the EPA. When implemented, power plant operators will have three to four years to comply. The original mercury and air toxics rule, issued in 2012, resulted in the retirement of numerous older coal-burning power plants in Appalachia. Those included Appalachian Power's Phillips Bourne plant in Mason County, the Kanawha River plant in Kanawha County, and the Camera plant in Marshall County. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. Workers at one of the country's largest grocery store change, chains may go on strike this week. Eric Douglas has more. Kroger Union members working at 38 stores in West Virginia, Kentucky, and Ohio will vote later this week on a new contract and potential work stoppage. The union's bargaining committee has unanimously recommended members reject Kroger's latest offer and vote in favor of authorizing a strike. Voting will take place Wednesday and Thursday, and the results will be announced Friday. The United Food and Commercial Workers Local 400 Union says the strike will not begin immediately. In a separate statement, Kroger said it had presented the union with its final offer. It indicated the investment will be worth about $300 million in wages and benefits. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Eric Douglas in Charleston. Public informational meetings will take place this week on electric vehicle charging infrastructure in West Virginia. Three meetings are scheduled. The first is today in Cross Lanes, followed by Morgantown on Wednesday and Shepherdstown on Thursday. The first phase of the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Plan in West Virginia involves installing charging stations every 50 miles on interstate highways. Phase two would add community-based charging stations statewide. The State Department of Transportation has developed a plan to qualify for federal funding. The meetings are from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Today's meeting will be at the Cross Lanes Library, Wednesday at Morgantown's Marilla Park Center, and Thursday at the Shepherdstown Library. The Mountaineer Area Council of the Boy Scouts of America serves 12 counties in north central West Virginia. On February 8th, the council appointed the first woman to serve as its governing board president. Jack Walker spoke with new president Amy Garbrick about her scouting background and gender inclusivity in scouting since the Boy Scouts became co-ed in 2019. 
To begin, could you just tell me a little bit about um, the new position that you were just appointed? I was appointed as the first female chair of the Mountaineer Area Council Boy Scouts of America. And that is a position that I will hold for, um, traditionally, it's been about three years. Gotcha. And um, could you also tell me a little bit about your background in scouting? I know that you had some experience running a, a Cub Scout troop. Uh, could you tell me what, what that was like? Sure. So back in 2013, I was, um, I'm a member of Breedsville United Methodist Church in Preston County. And one of our um, church members asked me, he said, Amy, I'm going to start a Cub Scout pack here at our church. And I want to see if you would help me. And at the time, my sons were four and six. And so I said, and six years old was, at the time, that was the youngest that you could be. You had to be in the first grade to be in the Cub Scouts. And he said, Amy, I would like you to help me. And I said, okay, sure. So I thought they were, um, he was going to bring them all to my house and he was going to teach them, quote, scout things while like I baked cookies and they would just all hang out at my house. And so the next day, the next week at church, he brought me the Cub Scout manual basically. And he said, okay, let me know when you're going to schedule your first meeting and you're in charge. And I said, I don't know anything about scouting. And he said, Amy, you'll learn it. And um, and that was in 2013. And we started out with six boys. That was before girls were in the organization. And so that was in 2013, we started out with six boys. And then when I stepped away as the Cub Master in 2020, we had over 50 boys and girls in our Cub Scout pack. Could you also tell me a little bit about um, your plans for your incoming role? I know that this is um, new to you, obviously, but are there any things you're particularly looking to um, accomplish in your tenure? I mean, it's actually... Pretty simple. I want to make sure that everyone in North Central West Virginia knows that the Boy Scouts of America is here for them. There is a pack or a troop somewhere nearby. And I would love to just get our word out there that scouting is still very much alive here in our counties. And, you know, we're not just the ones that teach boys how to go camping. We teach all of those things to boys and girls in all different ages of life. You mentioned, obviously, now that girls are also allowed to get involved in, in scouting beyond just the Girl Scouts, which is a separate entity. Could you tell me a little bit about um, sort of that trend you've seen over the years and maybe how it's impacted um, the scouting experience from your perspective as someone who is, you know, overseeing a lot of these programs? So so girls in scouting is actually not new. Girls have been involved in scouting for decades in other programs of the Boy Scouts of America. It wasn't until the past five or six years that nationally girls were welcomed into the Cub Scouts as well as into the, the Scouts BSA program. So that's the younger girls in kindergarten all the way up through the age of 18. Um, they were welcomed into the program about five or six years ago. And honestly, it, it's I'm so glad for it. I was the Cub Master when we welcomed our first girl into our pack. Her name was Kennedy. And I'll never forget, she was so excited that now she actually got to not only come to the meetings because she was already coming with her older brother. Now she gets to come to the meetings and actually participate and earn advancement and earn recognition. And so she was so excited um, and then we actually, uh, the, the girls at the older level, at the troop level, they joined the Boy Scouts of America in 2019. Gotcha. And then maybe um, going back to um, your, your position now, um, could you tell me a little bit, you're obviously the first woman to hold this position. What does that mean for you? And how is it going to, I guess, impact your, um, the way that you approach this new role? Sure. So it's obviously very exciting. Um, I'm, I'm excited mainly to show young girls and young women um, that, that yes, I am a woman and I'm in the Boy Scouts of America and you can be too. And so really, if I can get, you know, just another handful of girls to join the program, you know, then I'm doing my job. And so I really just want, want young girls and young women to, to look up to me and to see, Hey, Hey, there's a woman who is leading this organization. Um, I should, I should join and see what it's all about.
That was Amy Garbrook, president of the Boy Scouts of America Mountaineer Area Council, speaking with Jack Walker about her new role in gender inclusion in scouting. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 752. Chance of rain and thunderstorms today. Highs in the 50s and 60s. Rain and thunderstorms tonight with lows in the 50s. Breezy tomorrow with rain and thunderstorms. Highs in the 60s, but temperatures falling into the 40s in the afternoon. Support for WVPB is provided by Ziegler & Ziegler Attorneys in Hinton, marking 50 years of providing legal services for the people, businesses, nonprofits, and public agencies of West Virginia. West Virginia, like most of the country, is enjoying record-setting low unemployment numbers after the pandemic. For the legislature today, Brianna Heaney sat down with Josh Sword, president of the West Virginia AFL-CIO Union, and Delegate Clay Riley, a Republican from Harrison County, to discuss two bills that would reduce unemployment benefits in the state. Right now, it's currently 26 weeks of benefits. Was that ever necessary, and is that necessary now? Is that for me? Go, yeah. Well, look, it's, it's in statute for a reason. I, I think uh, there are valid reasons for there to be an extended period of time for workers who lose their job through no fault of their own. And that's, I guess, is what is so disappointing to me uh, this session, having this conversation, we're, we're, we're right on the heels of two announcements in which close to 2,000 West Virginia workers are going to be losing their job or have already lost their job through no fault of their own to be having a conversation about reducing their benefit in any capacity, a benefit they have earned. To be talking about lowering or reducing that benefit in any capacity is, is very disappointing at a time when the fund is as healthy as it ever has been, unemployment rates are near historic lows, there's absolutely no problem with the fund, but yet we're having the discussion and that's what's really frustrating for myself, our organization, and, and thousands of working families that may be losing their jobs soon. Delegate Riley, 26 weeks, was that ever necessary? Is that necessary now? You know, I think whether you say, is it necessary, was it ever necessary? I think what you have to look at is what was ultimately the goal of the fund in unemployment? And it's provide stability. It provides stability for the claimants so that they know what to expect. It provides stability for the businesses so they know how they can plan for their business. I think you saw in 2009 when they came in and they made a change to the wage threshold. I think when you saw they set a limit on the or the benefit at $424. They did that because they saw a downturn in 2008 from the recession. They had to take a Title 12 loan to try to stabilize it. And I think when you see what the, the 
Senate Bill 840 and 841 are doing now, you know, to me, whether it's 26 or what, I think what you're looking for is stability so that it's predictable, people understand what it's what their benefits are, and so that it's not fluctuating. I mean, right now with the triggers in place, the benefits can go up, they can go down. The wage threshold can go up, it can go down. And so whether it's a claimant or whether it's a benefit, it's a little unpredictable right now. And I think that's unfair to West Virginians and I think it's unfair to West Virginia businesses. Okay, so you're saying that the, the, because it seems like this bill, it would lose stability if this was passed because people, it could change. I mean, well, I think whether you're talking about 840 or 841, we're talking in a, in a broad sense, 840. Uh, and Let's talk and about again, eight. you got to realize, I mean, the Senate is still working on these bills. I believe they're on second Correct. second reading. So it's the amendment stage. Um, I'm obviously in the House kind of, you know, we're still waiting to see what those bills look like when they come out. I mean, uh, the Senate's been known to amend on first, second and third. So what they look like when they come out. And, and I was referring a little bit to 841, which changes the uh, changes the threshold to 10,000 and sets a maximum benefit at, at 550. Now 840 has the indexing, which is a little bit different. Yeah, it seems like 840, at least from a worker's perspective, makes a big change to the idea of stability because things could change quickly. And you wouldn't really, like, I mean, you don't know okay, if I got fired tomorrow, if I get fired in six months, what my unemployment benefits that I'm contributing to would be. For, for these workers uh, that just received notice that they're not gonna have a job soon or already lost it, you wanna talk about stability. The exact opposite of stability is what Senate Bill 840 does. It takes a person who has earned up to 26 weeks in many cases, they don't get anywhere near that length. They don't need anywhere near that length of time. But what Senate Bill 840 does in the environment that we're in today, it would take that person that has earned 26 weeks of, weeks of benefits if they would need it and drops it down to 12. That cuts it by more than half. I mean, we're talking about workers all over the state. In many cases, not options for them in a like job, in a like trade. And I have to tell you, three weeks can, can go by really quickly. And we're talking about money that'll be used to help pay rent or mortgage, pay electrical bills, provide food for families. I mean, this is, this is, real, this is real life stuff. That was Josh Sword and Delegate Clay Riley speaking with Brianna Heaney about legislation that would change unemployment benefits for the legislature today. To hear more of that interview, visit our website and tune in to the legislature today, weeknights at 6 p.m. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Brianna Heaney, Chris Schultz, Curtis Tate, Emily Rice, Eric Douglas, Jack Walker, Liz McCormick, and Randy Yowie. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.